Welcome to Farmside Today, our regular podcast about what's happening in pharmaceutical science, hosted by Professor Gina Martini, Chief Scientist of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. Visit www.orpharms.com forward slash podcasts for more Farmside Today and other podcasts. You can help us support the work of pharmacists by joining. Membership is just 60p a day. And now over to you, Gino. I'm Gino Martini. I'm the Chief Scientist for the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. And today we're having another Pharmaceutical Sciences podcast with a technical twist. Today we've decided to have a technical focus and I'm delighted to introduce David Davies, who's Chief Product Officer for Check It, and Michael Hobby, who's the Account Director for Check It. And the subject of today's podcast is cold chain supply. Uh, gentlemen, David, Michael, welcome to the podcast. How are you all? Uh, very well, thank you. Yeah, very well, Gino. Thank you for uh, giving us this opportunity. So, obviously, guys, we've got the situation regarding the vaccines and COVID-19 and the words cold chain supply. What is cold chain all about? So, in essence, it's about getting products through a distribution network from production to consumption while making sure that the environmental conditions and in particular the temperature are, are well controlled so that, you know, the product is, is in the right state. And, and if you think about it, this probably comes originally from the food industry, where clearly if you don't keep products at the right temperature, the consequences can be pretty disastrous. The technology has really come from there. The, the, the philosophy and the thinking has come from there. And, you know, that, that's very well developed. But obviously we see it now extended to many other domains, including pharmaceuticals. So what is cold chain all about? Cold chain is a system. It's a system for supplying temperature sensitive medicines, samples such as bloods, medicines, basic items that are temperature sensitive. They all need to be monitored from their place of origin to their point of need. So I think what's key here is that the cold chain maintains that correct temperature throughout that supply chain so that through that journey, healthcare professionals can be sure that those items, those medicines, those vaccines are fit for purpose and safe to use. What are the challenges with cold chain supply? The challenges, as always, are making sure that throughout that journey, there isn't an interruption to that temperature condition. And if there is, what was the occurrence? How long was the occurrence for? Um, is it acceptable, not acceptable? Uh, and therefore, the decision at the point of use is, is it safe to continue to use this? Is it OK? Will it have side effects? Will there be less efficacy in the drug or medicine? So it's really important that um, throughout that journey, that cold chain is monitored, if you like, at all the stages from perhaps initial distribution warehouse right the way through to eventual point of use at say maybe your local pharmacy or your hospital um, or where you're receiving your clinical care. Yeah, I think that's that's a really important point, that especially in the context of some of these vaccines. They're passing through an awful lot of pairs of hands and need quite a rigorous control. Or if you think about it from distribution, perhaps into a hospital, but also out to the community where you've got small, smaller units where, where this, this control needs to be maintained. So that really adds to, adds to the challenge. Mm. How has cold chain management evolved? Where did it come from and, and where's the science behind this? What you're trying to do, obviously, is to maintain a product, a sample drug or a vaccine in this case, in known controlled conditions. On one end, that could be as simple as keeping it in a fridge with a maximum minimum thermometer on it where you're, you know, you're, you're checking that every day and writing that, that on a piece of paper. And actually, that's what some people still do. But as with a lot of things at the moment, there's been a huge amount of change technically and, and things that we we see elsewhere in industry are, are coming into play. So I, I think that if you take it step by step, if you like, ground zero is what I just described. 
But then the, the next step has been things like data loggers. So that, that's really devices that you put with your, your sample and you can then go and look at them and they're almost like a digital form of a, of a graph of what the temperature has been. So you know retrospectively what the problem is with your samples. Building on that, we, we've started to see sensors that are connected in real time to a device. And I guess the first instance of that will, would have been lots of wires running to them and perhaps coming back to a PC. And then everything's becoming wireless. So now we've, we've moved more to wireless sensors that you can put in the right place in, in your fridge, not with wires running around everywhere. And rather than just bring you back to a PC, start to bring them back to the cloud. And that's got huge benefits. I mean, obviously the wirelessness makes it much more convenient. But the cloud element means that you've got guaranteed storage in somewhere that is much more reliable in terms of long-term uh, keeping the data, but that also can be seen by users in different places. You haven't got to be next to the laptop. You can actually get these measurements wherever you need them. And also messages sent out should temperatures go outside the range that they should be so someone could actually do something about it. That's probably where the industry is at the moment. And, and now what we're starting to see is how do we keep the cold chain um, under control. So if there is a problem or a, a concern about the temperature of a, a particular batch, triggering somebody to go and do something about that with all the information they need at their fingertips to be able to record that, either dispose of it or use it more quickly or whatever, but having that completely digitized. And I think that last point is going to become potentially even more valuable with some of the, the discussion about vaccines where time control is an important point too. So those workflows can also take account of things like if I've taken this out of my minus 70 freezer and I now need to use it within a number of hours or days, those kind of tools can actually start to tell us how long I've got to use this batch so that I actually waste as little as possible and keep complete control and confidence in the conditions it's been kept in. You touch on a really interesting point there too, David, about the fact that we've seen through the, the lockdown periods where chief pharmacists, lead pharmacists who have multiple site locations aren't able to go round as freely as they were and travel and go check on different sites. And I think the ability to have connected systems that allow them to be able to spot and monitor uh, the cold chain and how um, drugs and samples and medicines are supplied and delivered at point of care to be able to give them peace of mind that they are satisfying some of their CQC or their MHRA requirements to making sure, you know, they've stayed within the manufacturer's guidelines. I must admit, I, I always remember a picture. I was doing some work in the Middle East and they, they were showing an issue where they imported vaccines in this case. And inside, when, they, when the customs impounded mm. the vaccines, they'd hidden a, a temperature gauge inside stock. And to everyone's shock and horror, this product that should have been at four degrees Celsius was actually exposed to temperatures of 50 degrees Celsius. And clearly what you do, I mean, that's a, a huge batch of vaccines that obviously had been outside, well, exposed to 50 degrees for how long, nobody knew. And so I think what I've understood here today is that we've gone from almost like a passive form or retrospective kind of inspection, i.e. We, we put some passive detection tools that says, well, actually, this has been exposed to this temperature, to more of an active, proactive approach. I think that's a really, really good summary of what I was trying to say. So it's, it's all about going from, as, as you say, what has happened? Oh, dear, that's happened. I've got to throw that away to something's going wrong. I've got time to do something about it. This is what you should do about it. And then having complete proof that that is actually what you did so that anybody involved in that process can examine that and say, yeah, that makes sense. We handle that properly. We're safe to proceed or no, actually, it had gone beyond what we should accept. We need to do something else. 
So I think, yes, that passive to active is, is a really good way of summarising it. So how will this help us with COVID-19? Oh, I think it, it's going to help us tremendously. It's clear COVID-19 has, has pushed the healthcare industry towards adopting probably a more digital forward thinking approach to things, perhaps quicker than they would have done otherwise. So that's been very interesting. And I think with regards to COVID-19, as we've heard in the media, there's a lot of talk about the vaccines becoming available, the speed at which they will need to be distributed, the immunisation programme that will have to be undertaken. And I think along with that, we've got to be sure that the public out there are confident that the safety and, and their well-being has been taken seriously and that you know there's good processes and practices in place to ensure these vaccines are delivered in a really good quality and you know safe condition. I think what we'll definitely see around COVID-19 is the spread of technology and the restrictions we've seen on the movement of people has not just an impact on on medicine care but it has an impact on our carbon footprint in terms of you know getting in cars and traveling from a to b cutting down perhaps densities of people traveling through tight spaces such as the tube and train so i think having a connected real-time ability to monitor medicines as they travel through uh, the cold chain will give a lot of pharmacists the ability to sleep at night knowing that they can actually be sure that their medicines have been delivered in a condition that's acceptable. Certainly this is the first time I've ever seen pretty much on the front page of a newspaper things about what temperatures drugs or vaccines can be kept at. I mean you know it clearly is in the forefront of people's thoughts and at least one of the vaccines obviously has to be kept at very low temperature then it has to be got out to people and used within a, a period of time after it's taken into, into a conventional fridge. So I think if we're going to do that at scale, we can't waste anything. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to do that at scale, but with complete confidence, these issues are, are both real and and in everybody's minds. So I think, you know, all this stuff we've been talking about is there to try and help help that cause, really. Yeah, and I think when you look at medicines in general and you look at the medicine bill that the NHS faces, it's predicted to be, you know, in excess of 20 billion uh, next year. And perhaps if we then looked at how medicines are stored, where they're stored, how they're handled, are they in date, have they been exposed to poor temperatures, all those aspects can mean that anything between sort of potentially 10 and 15% of medicines can end up effectively being uh, thrown away. The sums, therefore, are, are huge in terms of what can come potential waste, as well as, you know, the, the aspect of risk and patient outcome. Having this connectivity uh, becoming more and more available, I think, can only help build well the reputation of the industry, the the safety of the patient, and you know, and making sure there isn't any disruption to patient care and that medicines are available when they're needed. You've touched upon uh, the word confidence, and that's come over quite a lot actually in our discussions. But I mean, how confident are you that this technology is robust and reliable? First of all, we're confident the basics of it are proven technology. So you know. Our products, for example, and there are others, are in 50 to 60 trusts, 300 plus hospitals and sites. So, you know, that gives us a lot of grounds for for confidence and people will be familiar with this sort of thing. Um, Some of the newer things we're talking about are proven cross industry as well and and businesses doing millions of transactions and with hundreds of sites. So, you know, there's a lot of of solid stuff here. This is not um, new seat of the pants stuff. It's well proven. And the other point is that there are lots of checks and balances in these processes so that it, the other side to confidence is that when something does go out of specification, that there's a complete audit trail from something happening 
to somebody receiving a message about that, to being told they're getting a message about that, to then recording what they've done about it and having the whole thing in records that cannot be changed by anybody. They're time stamped. The person who's done it has logged in. It's only them who can log in. So that is a quite a high bar to, to build confidence around. It's, it's, it's way, way higher than having people with dog-eared bits of paper writing notes on, for example. You know, it's, it's a completely different world. Thank you, David. And I suppose really my last question is, what does the future look like and what could we do with this technology? For us, the future is all about patient safety. I think, you know, as we, as we go forwards, it, it's about knowing the audit trail of medicines at all times, in all places. We, we're keen to see people move away from the manual processes of ticking paper and, as, as, it, as David says, you know, sort of having clipboards with sort of checklists sort of sitting on them that somebody randomly ticks and, and not really understanding the value of what, what they're doing. And ultimately, you know, if we can all work together throughout the healthcare industry and focus on that waste element, there's a tremendous amount of saving that we can make uh, and we can really recover quite large sums back into our healthcare system. So I think for me, the future is all about ensuring medicines are in a perfect state, that they will perform as intended, that patient safety is at all times uppermost in our minds. And ultimately, we are entering probably another period of disruption with Brexit coming. We're into the sort of winter period now. We know we're not necessarily going to climb out of this anytime quickly if we're to manage expectations amongst the public. Therefore, it's important that the supply of medicines may not be as straightforward as it has been. And therefore, it is up to us all to maybe look after those medicines that are stored on our shelves and in our cold rooms and in our freezers really carefully. I think future will show that the modern method of managing these medicines will become far more digital and far more transparent as we go forwards. I think I'd just like to add to that from a sort of technical point of view, underpinning everything Mike's just said, it's going to become increasingly about the data, about using the information from the cold chain to identify any issues or room for improvement having that available at people's fingertips in the right place, in the right form, at the right time, so that they can see what's happening. And if anyone's got any questions or concerns or the regulatory authorities need to see things, it's completely at people's fingertips. All of that built on these mobile networks, possibly right down at the bottom level with sensors who you know, hold their calibration for longer and need less maintenance as time goes on. But all, all of that to underpin the, the key things Mike just talked about in terms of confidence, in terms of saving people's time to do something. What we want to do is to minimise the burden of compliance on people so they can get on with their professional roles while being completely confident that everything needs to be done properly. Yeah, and I, I'd probably add to that. The idea would be that at all times you are inspection ready rather than having to prepare for an inspection. That you can be, again, we use the word confident, but confident that the data is there, the systems are there, and you would be notified if you've deviated from those those points of care. Yeah, the future's bright. I think the future is connectivity. And I think it's about joining systems and people together so that it is a seamless process in patient care and healthcare and medicine management. Well, both David and Michael, thank you for your time today and for informing our members about the principles of cold chain and the aspirations behind more active control of our products throughout the cold chain supply system. Thank, thank you for inviting us. Thank you.
Thanks for joining us at Farmside today. We regularly add new chats with interesting and important figures at www.orfarms.com forward slash podcast. So check back again soon to keep up with the latest in pharmacy and pharmaceutical science. And remember, RPS membership costs just 60p a day. Find out more at www.orfarms.com forward slash RPS membership.